You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Brittany Grover. And I'm Jan Westmark, and you are listening to the special monthly Sidelines Magazine episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for October 6th, episode 3034. Sidelines is the magazine for horse people about horse people. Good morning, horse world. Thank you for tuning in this morning. The Sidelines Magazine episode comes to you the first Thursday of every month. This month's episode is brought to you by Blue Ribbon Scholars, and we have founder Mira Korber with us. Mira, tell us what Blue Ribbon Scholars is and where you're located. Hi, thank you so much for having me here. Blue Ribbon Scholars is a premier tutoring service for equestrians managing their competition schedule and school. We're based in person in Ocala, Florida, and online all over the country. You're located in Ocala, where there's been a huge amount of growth lately. What is your advice for equestrians moving into the area? Well, it's an interesting question. While we're here to support equestrians uh, supplementally to their school, one of my big concerns right now is there simply aren't enough schools in Ocala to support all new students, equestrians and otherwise. Compounding the issues from COVID-19 that we're still catching up on, I'm looking for ways that we can bring awareness to this issue, support our students, and also um, bring this to the attention of Marion County because there are simply not enough schools for the amount of students we have and that are coming to the area. Mm, Wow. What can Blue Ribbon Scholars do to help? Well, as one organization, it's hard for us to solve the entire problem, but what we can do is help your students so they can succeed in school. And also as students become aware of this issue and their families, our families can all work together to think of both alternative schooling options and ways to improve the public education system. Awesome. How can people get in touch with you? The best way to reach me is via email, mira at blueribbonscholars.com, via my phone, 443-257-9549, or on social media, handle at blueribbonscholars. Perfect. Thank you so much, Mira. Thanks again to Mira Korber from Blue Ribbon Scholars for checking in with us. Um, It's a great program, so you all make sure to check that out. I was fortunate enough to catch up with Brandy Cyrus a few weekends ago at the Brownland Horse Show in Franklin, Tennessee. And she she was great. She was so nice and relatable. I really liked her. Um, I feel like I'm part of the family because I love line dancing. And of course, we line dance to Achy Breaky Heart, which is a song by her dad, Billy Ray. Billy Ray Cyrus. Um, Now, she's not so thrilled probably with that because she hears it all the time. But (laughs) I still like doing that dance. (laughs) That is so fun. That's right. Brandy was on the cover of our October issue. And we are so excited to have her here with us as our next guest. She's obviously from a famous family as the daughter of Tish and Billy Ray Cyrus and sister to Miley. But she's also developed her own following as a musician, DJ, and co-host of two popular podcasts. But her true passion is horses, including doing it all herself from care and feeding to wrapping and eating driving to shows. Sidelines is excited to have her on the cover and here to chat with us today. Brandy, thank you so much for being with us today. We're so excited to chat with you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Obviously, you know, the elephant in the room, you're from a very famous family. Are you guys still close? What kind of things do you guys do together? We are. um, We're super, super close. I would say especially my mom and sisters and I Um, I just think the older I get and, you know, the older my sisters get, the more we just grow so close and become such great friends. And that's just so special. Um, But really, like my whole family is very close. We're also supportive of each other. And I'm just so thankful to have a family like that. And, uh, you know, and just in the craziness of the life that we live, I think it's it's just so important to have that um, to fall back on. Yeah, I love that. Absolutely. So where is everybody right now? You live in Nashville? 
I do. I'm actually in Las Vegas in this moment <laughs> for work. And, um, but I do, I live in Nashville and my dad and my brothers both live there also. And then my mom and my sisters live in LA. So I do go out there quite a bit to visit them and spend time with them. Um, but home for me is Nashville. I love it a lot. That's awesome. And I know um, that you and your dad and Noah have all kind of been into horses. And then obviously so much of your family is into music and the entertainment industry. What's it like to have so many things in common with your family members? Yeah, my dad is actually the one who taught me how to ride when I was very young. Um, And his dad was a horse trainer. And so that's definitely like in our genes for sure. Um, but I think having all those similar interests is why we are so close and just all have so much in common, obviously. And um, we understand each other in a lot of ways, both, you know, on the music side, on the horse side for Noah and my dad and I. And it's just really special to have all that. That's awesome. Does Noah still ride? She does here and there. Uh, she, you know, is at that age where um, when I was Noah's age, I actually took a break from writing and I was focusing on my music career. And so I totally understand where she's at right now. Uh, mm. But she um, has fully committed to, the, to her music career, which obviously is doing so well. She's so talented. Um, and I think, you know, anybody that that um, is in the horse world, I think, understands like horses are not something you can really do part time or, or want to mm-hmm. do part time. You know, it's it's kind of, you're kind of all in or not at all. And, um, I think being that age and having such a big career, you know, like Noah's got, it's really hard for her to just like walk, you know, into the barn, maybe once every couple of weeks and ride, like it's a little bit sad for her because she wants to be there all the time. And I think she knows right now that's not really realistic with her career. And mm-hmm. so she's kind of stepped back, back from it, but she loves the horses so much. And I, I do think like me, as she gets a little older, she'll definitely find her way back to it. Yeah, I love that for sure. That's awesome. Do you and your sisters get mistaken for each other a lot? Oh my gosh. I I used to get mistaken for Miley a lot when she had long blonde hair. Now that she's cut it off, I it's a little better. Um, <laughs> but we we do. We have such strong genes. We all look just like my mom. And now yes. that I'm a little bit older, I would say that's who I get mistaken for the most, which oh, wow. at first I so offended because obviously my mom's a little older than me, but, but she <laughs> looks so good that now I take it as a compliment. I'm like, oh, I look like Tish. Like, thank you. She looks oh. so good and she's obviously so beautiful. So uh, as a compliment when I get that, but, um, but we definitely, you know, we all have very strong genes and definitely uh, if people don't mistake me for one of them, I definitely, you know, I think someone looks at me and just e- very easily says like, you look like, a, you look like Miley or you look like Noah or like, you look like a Cyrus or something we're just very unique looking I think that's awesome yeah I love that your dad was the first one to get you into horses how did he get into horses and and how did your family in general get into them yeah so um like I said my dad's dad was a horse trainer actually um he, my dad's from Kentucky and they had a horse farm there. And my dad, uh, my grandpa, he trained spotted saddle horses and used to show spotted saddle horses, which is, um, which is obviously so foreign to, to what I do with the hunter jumper <laughs> stuff, but, um, it got, you know, me riding cause my dad's just always been around horses. And ever since I can remember, we've just had horses at home. Um, and so when I was probably five years old, my dad just, we had a bunch of horses in the backyard and he put me on one. And I'm pretty sure it was bareback, you know, no helmet, no nothing. Just you uh-huh. know, like, here we go, let's go. And that's how I learned. And, you know, as unsafe as it was looking back on it, I do think um, learning to ride that way, you know, made me such a good rider off the bat. Like I just was kind of thrown into it, uh, which my dad loves to do. He, he also taught me how to play the guitar. And when I say taught me, I mean, he sat there and said, all right, let's play music. <laughs> it was just stuff. Uh, it was just uh, follow me and you'll learn it kind of thing. And that's how horses were too. You know, I remember countless times he would gallop off without me on the farm and I would have to hold on and figure it out and, um, and learn how to stay on and learn how to ride. And I did, and I'm super thankful for that. Cause I do feel like, um, I do feel like I have quite a bit of like grit and toughness when it comes to the sport and the horses and, and riding tough horses. And I do think that's a lot, um, because of how I learned and how I started. Oh, uh, that's great. So, uh, Brandy, this is Jan, and you and I met up in at the Brownland Horse Show um, in did. Franklin not too long ago with my husband, Jerry, and your dog, Astra, right? Is that how you say it? Yes, that's right, she's, Astra. Astra, she's so cute. Um, oh, she's and, the best. 
I got to meet Star, which is your horse Star Power that we feature a lot in the um, in the magazine. In fact, you're on the cover with her. Um, yes. So, and I thought she was so cute. But before we talk about her, because you were talking about your whole family, um, when Miley did the movie, I guess it was like the Hannah Montana movie, and there was a horse in it. Did you yes. like? Were you her double or anything? How did that work? Did she have to ride it, or did you ride it? Um, I did not. I see <laughs> Miley. Miley can ride a bit. I wouldn't say she's a rider like Noah and I are by any means, but uh-huh. all of my siblings, like my dad put all of us on a horse at one time or another, you know, okay. and I, during our childhood. So Miley's definitely like a bit comfortable enough around the horses. And she actually has a horse um, that I keep at my, at my house. Her name's Melody. And she's just like a good solid trail horse that, um, that we found for her. And so every now and then she'll come, she'll come visit and she'll get on her horse and we'll trail ride around. Um, so she's comfortable enough that she was actually able to do quite a bit of all of that for that movie. But it's funny you bring it up because, um, everybody, when they see a gray horse, I've had so many gray horses, everybody uh-huh. assumes it's that horse from Hannah Montana, which oh, is how so funny. funny. <laughs> I'm like, well, if you do the math, that horse is probably very old and probably exactly. not jumping meter 20 fences. <laughs> Yeah, that's very true. Well, I did meet Star, and she's also a gray horse, <laughs> um, and she's she so sweet. I really, really liked her. So what do you love about her the most? Oh, my gosh. I could never pick just one thing I love about that horse. But um, funny enough, I, you know, they say your animals mirror you a lot of the time, and uh-huh. I do feel that with her. I feel like she and I are very similar um, we're very opinionated. <laughs> we're, we're very, um, very, uh, both of us like, um, he can be like, I said the other day, you know, star can be so tough, but she can also be so sensitive. And, um, I think that makes for like a really interesting, uh, teammate, you know, like there are times where she really tests me with her toughness. And there are other times where she tests me with how sensitive she is. And I've really had to learn how to adapt to both and kind of find that fine line of, you know, you can't boss a mare around. You can't tell a mare what to do. Um, I have to to learn how to ask her for what I want and get the most out of her. And in a funny way, I actually feel like I'm very similar to that. I guess someone tells me what to do. My automatic reaction is to rebel against it, you know, (laughs) Uh Um, but I also, I also do have um, a sensitive side as well. So I don't know. It's just funny how similar we are. Um, and she is obviously so talented and athletic and, um, and everything, but she, um, she's so sweet. Like she really does have a sweet side. And I think when you can find that in a mare and bring that out of them, it makes them really special. I agree. Um, what's the saying? Y'all have to help me with that. Um, mare, what is it? The horse geldings are from, um, heaven. Wait, no, y'all have to help me. Okay, I can't think of it. And mares are something else. Anyway, <laughs> somebody'll text us and tell somebody will text us and tell us what it is. Somebody else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so you, in addition to riding and um uh, showing star, you also are, are still into music and you've just signed with a new agent. What is your new path? What's going on? Yeah, so I've I've been involved in the music world for a long time now. I started a band in my early 20s, and now I DJ, which is a little bit different, but still super fun. I get to perform. I get to be creative, and um, it's really exciting. And so that's what I'm doing right now. That's why I'm in Las Vegas right now, as I have a show tomorrow. And yeah, I think for I've done this now for like five years, maybe six. And I think when I started out, I was just having fun with it and just um, kind of learning as I went both about, how, you know, DJing in general and just like a whole world of it. It's really, uh, it's very niche and it's, it's, you know, very different than it was for me when I was just in a band and had a label behind me and everything. And, um, so for a while there, I just feel like I was kind of floating with it. And uh-huh. now I, I think I'm ready to like, take it a bit more seriously and kind of really see what I can do with it. So I, I do have a new manager, a new agent. I'm really excited to see what they have in store for me. Um, and I think they're really going to push me in a good way to, um, to expand on what I'm doing and, and, and really like make goals to do bigger things and play bigger shows or reach different audiences. I'm really excited about that. Okay. So we also know that you, well, even Brittany was like, so what does it mean to DJ a fashion party? Is that what you're talking about? Are you talking about other music as well? 
Yeah. So when I said, when I was talking about fashion parties, the fashion parties are basically like, if you're in LA or New York, especially brands will throw these parties for celebrities and influencers to come to, whether it's to launch a new collection or, you know, whether it's SB week and they throw a party or it's Grammy week and they throw, but there's just all these parties that are, that are um, usually hosted by a lot of fashion brands and stuff. And so I would go to those just uh-huh. as an attendee and I saw a bunch of girls DJing and that's kind of how I decided I wanted to do it. Um, and so now when I like to play those parties, I mean, really, you're just setting the mood and the atmosphere for the event, um, and it, which is very different than playing a nightclub. You know, when you're playing a nightclub, everyone's drinking and everyone's looking to party. And when, when you're playing something like a fashion party or a corporate event, you're really just trying to set a good vibe for people to have a good time. Everyone's going to be talking, you know, because it's, it's an event, it's a networking thing. And so you don't want to overwhelm that with the music, but you do want to like set the tone for a good night. And it's, it's really, um, it's an art in itself. I would say, I almost think it's for to play those things and it's going to a nightclub or play a festival because when you play those things, like you kind of know what to expect and every party or every corporate event is so different. So Brandy, you have two different podcasts, um, that you do. And so this is not new to you, but tell us about <laughs> them. What do you do and, and who listens to them? And one of them you do with your mom and one you do with a, a friend. So tell us all about them. Yeah. So I've been podcasting for a while now. I started the first one, um, I think like four or five years ago. It's crazy to oh, say wow. that, but it's, I know it's called your favorite thing podcast. And it's with my good friend, Wells Adams, and he and I were friends in Nashville. He used to work in radio, actually. So he's uh, very good at podcasting. But okay. <laughs> um, he, w- he, he went on that reality show, The Bachelorette, which you may be familiar with. Of course. Um, <laughs> so he went on that show. And when he came back, we launched our podcast. And he had such a big audience from that. So and then I have, you know, an audience from obviously like my music career and stuff. So um, we started doing that years ago and it has just grown and grown and we have so much fun with it. It's honestly that one of the highlights of my week is getting to do that podcast with him. And um, kind of like the title says, we just talk about favorite things and that's typically like movies or what TV we're watching or what new music we're listening to or books we're reading. And um, it's great because there's really no prep for it, you know, like aside <laughs> from having to watch some stuff on TV every week. Uh, we really just get to like hang out and catch up with each other and talk about what we're watching and listening to. And it's so fun. And uh, some of our listeners are definitely like fans of the bachelorette. Um, but a lot of them have just kind of found us somehow throughout the years and just come back every week. And we've built this really cool community. And I, I love it when I, like if I'm in an airport or something and somebody comes up to me and says, I'm a wife here. That means they listen to your favorite thing. And, and it's yeah. just so fun to get to meet people in real life and, and make that connection. So I love that podcast and it's so fun. So during the pandemic, uh, while we were on quarantine, my mom and I started a podcast and sorry, we're stoned which um, is hilarious because she is the biggest stoner that I know and she's not afraid to say it. Um, but more so than that, I think um, our pod, if you listen to our podcast, I think the overall tone of it is just, um, you know, just having fun and kind of uh, kicking back, letting loose and just kind of not taking things so seriously, but just kind of having fun together. And that's just kind of the tone of the podcast, which I think, I think like the adjective of being stoned can kind of mean that too. Um, so we have fun. We do a segment where people call in and ask advice questions. Usually it's to my mom. Sometimes I get questions as well, just life advice or relationship advice. And then we have another segment where we talk about interior design because she and I did have a series on Bravo um, a few years ago where we did some interior decorating and that's, that's her passion. I would say that's her horses is uh-huh. she loves interior design and has always loved that. And so we had fun with that. And that's part of the podcast as well. And again, we've just like created this really cool community. And I think everybody probably showed up to the podcast because they were just a Cyrus family fan. Um, and we've created a really cool group of mostly women, a lot of moms and a lot of daughters that like to let, come and listen to us and hang out with us every week. And it's just so fun. Wow. That's great. That's fun. Well, um, you are very busy. So how do you balance your writing, your showing, the podcast, your DJing? How do you balance all that? I'm not going to lie to you. Balancing it is very hard. Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs) Yeah. And that's, you know, you you think it gets easier, but it somehow just gets harder. 
Um, especially I think with the horses, you know, it's like I said, it's one of those things that's really hard to do, um, part-time like horses, you know, to compete at the level I want to compete at, you have to be riding four to five days a week. And, um, obviously I want to build that relationship with my horse. I'm very hands-on. I do all of my own care. Um, I do take lessons with a a really fabulous trainer who I talk about in the sidelines article. Her name's Danny Grice, but aside from, um, you know, taking a couple lessons a week from Danny, I really, I do most of the riding and, um, and I can definitely, uh, I take a hit when I'm at shows and I know I haven't been riding. I'm not as fit and I have to be very fit to ride this horse that I have. Um, so it's important to me to make time for it. And I do when I'm home, I ride usually four days a week at the least. Um, Uh and I, I try to take trips and, and not be gone more than four days. You know, a lot of, a lot of these DJ gigs are great because it's one night. So I'm, I'm there and back in two days. So I don't miss much riding. And, um, and I try to really not be gone longer than four or five days so that I can really make that time at home to spend with the horses and to ride and to keep my fitness up and to keep my training going and, and stars as well. And, um, I definitely like make a very specific effort for that when I'm home, you know, I turn down a lot of social things with friends because I want to make sure I'm not too tired to if I can get up and go to the barn in the morning or, you know, I skip pool parties because I have to go ride during the day. And, <laughs> um, and, but that, that's where my priority is. And, um, and I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm totally happy to give up some of that social stuff so that I can have that because I truly believe that the horses are what keep me so emotionally balanced and spiritually balanced in life. Like, I just said to someone the other day, I think the older I get, the more important I realize it is to have a hobby and to have something that fulfills you outside of work and outside of a job. And so that's why, like, as hard as it gets sometimes, it's so important for me to prioritizing the horses because it just keeps me so spiritually balanced. And I think that's so important. Oh, I love that. That's really great. Um, And one thing you just mentioned about you take care of your own horses, you started out in Pony Club, which is amazing because they teach you so much. Tell us a little teeny bit about Pony Club and your your memories of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so funny to explain Pony Club to somebody that wasn't in it because they yeah. hear the term Pony Club and they think it's just some silly like little girls club, you know? I'm yeah, thinking yeah. Just sit there and paint each other's faces and brush <laughs> our horses' hair. But um, it's it's brutal. Like it's grueling. Yeah. You have to really you have to study and take tests and both written and writing and verbal and all kinds of tests to um, you know to accelerate up into the ranks and, and you have to do it all before you're 18. Um, so I was I was in Pony Club. I when I was young, I did eventing. I didn't start out as a hunter jumper and um, and that is at the core of Pony Club is, is eventing is the discipline. That's when you test. You have to do cross country tests and dressage tests and all that. Um, so it made sense for me when I was younger because that's the direction I was headed. And I'm so thankful that I did it because I truly did learn so much about horse care, um, and so much about, you know, why we ride the tack we ride in, why our horses need the nutrition that they need and how to wrap their legs properly and first aid practices and all sorts of things that I don't, I'm not sure that, you know, everyone is taught that grows up in a hunter jumper barn. Yeah, Um, they're not. Yeah. I, I really don't think they are. And there's, you know, I'm not trying to like, to like, you know, be negative about hunter, the hunter jumper discipline by any means. But after growing up in pony club and then switching and riding at a hunter jumper barn in California, I really realized the chasm there. Um, I was the only one that groomed and tacked up my own horse at my barn in California. The only one. Um, I was the only wow. one that knew how to wrap legs. I was the only one that bathed my horse, niced my horse after at horse shows. And um, it, it was just so apparent to me, like how, how grateful I am to have all that knowledge um, because a lot of people don't. And because of that, I'm able to have horses at home. You know, I have right. four horses at home and um, they're very high maintenance because they all used to be show horses, but I can confidently take care of them. And it's because of Pony Club. Otherwise yeah. I would have just never had the tools to do that. So um, well, highly recommend if there's any parents listening and you have the opportunity to put your kid in pony club, highly recommend it. No, oh, I agree. It's such a great thing. I love it that, uh, lots and lots of the people that we do stories on, will talk about their, how they started out in pony club. And those people are always so successful, just like you with their horses. Um, and their knowledge is so vast. It's really incredible. Um, yeah, it is great. And, and pony club also, um, you know, it's, when you when you compete and do these pony club rallies you compete as a team as well which i also think is very cool it's similar to young riders where you get to compete as an individual but you also have to work with your teammates and you have to work 
um, a lot of that testing is, you know, how clean your barn is, how organized your barn is and how, how knowledgeable everybody is, you know, as far as the horse care goes in the barn and you do have to work together to do that. So I think incorporating the team aspect into the equestrian sport that Pony Club does is very cool. Uh, that's great. Yeah, I went to, um, I guess, last year to Knoxville, Tennessee, to a barn where the girls were doing their pony club tests, um, their verbal tests, I guess, with the train with the the person from Pony Club that came there. And I mean, these girls were mm-hmm. like six and seven, and they had yeah. so much knowledge. It was crazy. I know. I was like, I'm gonna stand away because they might ask me a question and I won't know the answer. To it. <laughs> 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 and I've had horses my whole life because I never was in Pony Club. We did not have it where I lived. Um, so yeah. I just think that's a great thing. Um, so. Also, what are your goals now for you and Star? Yeah, so um, Star and I, we we took a little bit of a break this summer, but we moved up into the Meter 20 uh, Junior AO division uh, earlier this year, which is super exciting. That was kind of my goal when I bought this horse was I wanted to have an AO jumper. Um, And when I bought her, the rules were still that you had to own the horse, you know, to compete in the division. So Uh um, I guess now they've changed a little bit, but that was kind of my dream when getting this horse. And so we've we've moved up into that division. Um, I know she's athletic enough to do the bigger stuff. And so I think, um, you know, she's only eight this year. So I think in the next year, I would like to say we'll be ready to move up to the meter 30s and compete in the medium AOs which I think, um, you know, I, I don't need to jump the Grand Prix. If I get there someday, great. Uh, <laughs> but for me, just to be able to be consistent and competitive in the media, medium AO jumpers, I think would be so awesome. And, you know, they do have a lot of special classes at that, that meter 30 and meter 35 height, like mini pre's that are so fun. And I think yeah. to get to do some special classes would be really cool also. Um, so for me, like, I always say every horse is a horse of a lifetime because they all teach me so much. But I really do think, like, you know, as far as like the dream horse scenario, like stars it for me, you know, she's obviously so talented and athletic and she's taught me so much. And I think she's really going to be able to take me to that next level as a competitor. Oh, well, I'm excited for that. you about that. She is a great, I, I really <laughs> enjoyed uh, my few seconds of meeting her. It was really nice. So tell yes. us how people can follow you and yes. I guess anything else you're doing, people should know about. Yeah. Um, I would say like Instagram is, is kind of my main thing. I know kids are on TikTok and I do have that as well, but I'm at Brandy Cyrus on Instagram and TikTok too. I'm trying to get better at TikTok. Uh, <laughs> and, um, both my podcasts, you can listen to on Apple music, Spotify, really anywhere you get podcasts, whatever your platform is. And it's your favorite thing podcast and sorry, we're stoned. Um, and other than that, I, I do, I try to post all of my DJ dates on my Instagram and, um, on my Facebook as well so that people can come out to a show um and they're really fun we just we dance we have a good time um they're high energy normally and we just like to have fun so come out to the show (laughs) okay that that's great i'll make sure that everybody uh gets that in the notes oh wait one other thing i forgot to ask you when especially when i saw you in person i remember seeing your video of you in a plane and the plane getting struck by lightning oh my gosh yeah and there was like a hole in the plane there was a hole in the plane. It was terrifying. What happened? <laughs> and how did you land? Did you have to get land like quickly? Um, it, it wasn't like that. It wasn't that scary. I mean, it was, but so we were in South America. I was with Miley and her whole team. She was, she was on tour in South America and we were flying from Bogota, Colombia to Paraguay for a festival. And okay. we had been in the air like five hours and then out, we're like getting kind of getting ready to land. Like we're not far from the destination and out of nowhere, this thunderstorm kind of comes up on top of us. And there was some turbulence and I, I do okay with turbulence, but Miley and my mom, not so much. And they were starting to panic a little bit. And there's some other people on the plane kind of starting to get worried. And you know, the flight attendants are like, Oh, it's fine. We're all good. No worries. And then all of a sudden the plane gets struck by lightning and it like jars the plane pretty good. Like I would just say it felt similar to like severe turbulence and the lights kind of did like the weird flicker thing. And that's when everyone really started to panic. And we were like, oh, God, and then the flight attendants came and they were like, okay, you know, it's all fine. But we did get struck by lightning and we have to do an emergency landing 20 miles from where we're supposed to be. So we had to do an emergency landing and we had to stay on the ground for like, I think like three or four hours until they could get us cleared you know, so that the, they had to make sure the plane could fly without getting repaired and figured out was oh, still okay to fly. Um, oh my I gosh. Guess repair, I guess, I guess what I learned is planes can, can um, have holes in them and still fly as long as they're wow. under a certain size. 
so uh <laughs> I, yeah so it was pretty crazy and it was very scary and you know in the moment and um and everything but i think at the same time i you know you kind of are relieved to know that okay planes are pretty pretty durable planes can withstand some things you know now, now <laughs> when i when i feel turbulence i'm like that's all right i got struck by lightning and we were fine so <laughs> i think we'll be okay plus plus you're a horse girl and you know what horse girls can handle almost anything it's true it's it is true, true. It's really yeah. true. Well, it's been great to talk to you. Um, we've really enjoyed it. And I'm just thrilled that you're on the cover of our magazine, on the cover of Sidelines for the October Thank issue. Thank you. So I hope everybody goes and reads Brandy's story. It's a great story. Y'all check out uh, Brandy in the October issue of Sidelines. Thinking of refurbishing your arena or even starting a design from scratch? Trust the experts at Wordly Martin to help create your ideal riding environment. With years of international Grand Prix riding experience, Sharn Wordley and Craig Martin oversee every project as though they are building it for themselves with an exceptionally high standard of execution. Whether it be for a traditional outdoor arena, covered arena, indoor arena, or gallop track, Wordley Martin's unique sand mixture incorporating textiles and fibers results in a dust-free service to ideally support every impact. From the base level and drainage to the irrigation and maintenance, Every detail is carefully considered to deliver a premier riding service you can train on with confidence. To learn more about why Wordly Martin is the choice of Olympic show jumpers, dressage athletes, and eventers alike, visit wordlymartin.com. Our next guest has lots of animals, and she has great stories, but I think... I have had a lot of animals too. I've had dogs and cats and minis. I had a sheep. It was the dumbest animal ever. Oh no. I've had rabbits and guinea pigs and hamsters. Um, I will say I went to the university of Florida and it was my first year in the dorm and I was walking down a hall and there was a guy sitting there and he had a little hamster and he, and I said, Oh, it's so cute. And he said, Oh, look. And he opened a door and there was a giant snake. He said, I'm about to feed it to this snake. And I was like, no, you can't give me that hamster. So he gave it to me, gave me the little cage and everything. So oh. I kept the, I named him Gator because I was at the University of Florida. And um, <laughs> that little hamster lived for years. I mean, four or five, six. I don't even know how long he lived. So I would take him home, um, you know, like on breaks from the holidays and all that kind of stuff. Aww. And one time he got loose in our house and he somehow got into the walls of the house and he, you could hear him scurrying all around. And I mean, this just went on. My mom and dad didn't even care. They would just laugh and be like, Oh, that's just Gator. <laughs> so, Oh my goodness. I don't know how we got him food, but anyway, uh, eventually he came out and <clears throat> we put him back in his cage and he kept living with us for years. Wow. Yeah, that's funny. amazing. That reminds me when I was in high school, uh, I shared a locker with a friend and we would keep betta fish in our locker. Oh. Like we just, we had yeah. a, like this little, we did, we had this little tank and we just kept it in as a really bad idea, you know, especially looking back and it, it didn't go so well, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, but yeah, it was, uh, it was fun to at least get to stay high in them, you know, between, between classes and stuff. But I want to hear about the sheep. What made it the dumbest animal ever? I don't know. Sheep are just dumb, I guess. Um, <laughs> it, it, it was kind of wild. So I, I bought a miniature horse. I've talked about him before. His name was Twix and he pulled a little cart and all the kids at my horse farm, they all saw all they wanted to do was drive Twix around. But Twix came with a sheep and I didn't want the sheep, but he, we got the sheep. And I think the kids named the sheep. Oh, it was something silly, a silly name. Anyway, I can't remember what it was, but if you walked into the sheep's little pen she would get startled and just slam her body against the other wall. It was weird. I don't know. But eventually, um, a neighbor down the street had a goat, and they were looking for a companion for the um Oh, perfect. Yes. Yeah, so she came and took the sheep, and it was probably a good thing because uh, it was, yeah. She was scared of the horses, and the horses were scared of her because she was so, like, erratic. Anyway. <laughs> that is so funny. No, I haven't had very many unintelligent animals i've had a lot of very smart animals we had we were never animal people like my parents were city slickers never really had animals and then you know my sister really really wanted a dog and we thought we would never ever have a dog but somehow my parents you know this rescuer lady we had stopped by in front of a sportsman's warehouse you know where they were selling puppies well she was she was trying to you know find homes for puppies she had rescued and we had just talked to her 
But several months later, she called my parents and was like, this is going to sound really weird, but I think I have a puppy for you. And of course, it did sound really weird, but they went to see the puppy and fell in love. Long story short, we ended up with a puppy for Christmas. And he was a Weimaraner Black Lab mix. Oh, my goodness. And yes, he, we, we were told that he'd end up like 55 pounds. And I think... Yeah, he didn't get that memo. Uh, he didn't Uh-oh. stop growing until he was 115 pounds. What? He he was huge. He had the body of a Weimaraner, so very sleek, and and he was really yeah. tall. But then he had like the coat and a little bit of the chest breadth of the lab, and so he was he was beautiful. Like people would ask us what Brady was because yeah. you know we and we'd say oh he's a mutt and some people were really offended by that and we're like we you know we we love our mutts but but uh uh his name was Kuzco and when I when I got a miniature horse they were about the same size yeah. and so yeah. it was so fun we have pictures you know my dad running because you know you lead horses on the right and dogs on the left so you we have pictures of him you know running yeah. with with both of them and and it's just it's it's pretty fun. And then we got another dog uh, while I was in high school. Uh, she was a border collie black lab, so also very intelligent and very high energy. And that was right before my mom ended up uh, very ill and bedridden uh, for quite a few years. And Corva, this is our second dog, she loved to play fetch. She was sure that fetch wasn't for her it was for you like so you know <laughs> if i was up sick late at night you know she'd come at two o'clock in the morning and just look t- dead tired and be like all right it's okay i'll i'll play with you and she you know, <laughs> drop the ball near me and but when my mom got sick uh corva learned to put the ball in my mom's hand like as she's uh-huh. laying in bed because my mom couldn't reach down and pick it up so she still to this day knows put it in my hand and uh-huh. she'll, and she'll put it right in your hand. You never have to lean over and pick it up. And she's, she's really fun to play with, with that way. So that was, uh, those were our dogs were both very intelligent. And along the way, I also had some bizarre animals. I had a sugar glider at oh, one point. Yeah. Yeah. You, you did. know? Yeah. So I, what I learned from that is that I personally believe that sugar gliders should not be domesticated. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That makes sense, actually, to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I came. I I got him. Somebody was giving him away because sugar gliders really don't do well by themselves. And he got so depressed, actually, that he chewed his tail off before Aww. I got him. And so he had to have he had to have antidepressants so that he wouldn't chew on his little stump. Yeah, it was oh, very no. sad. And uh, and in case anybody is wondering, male sugar gliders reek. They smell so bad my mother would not come in my room for the year that i owned him she would say good night in the hall i was required to keep my door shut at all times and he would come everywhere with me though so it was fun because he was very soft and they sleep during the day so he would just come in my little hoodie pouch you know he'd come yeah. with me everywhere and go to the store and whatnot but but uh, evidently i did find a sugar glider rescue to take him in because his antidepressants were not cheap so. <laughs> uh, well that that's that's cool i um that you took him everywhere i had cockatiels in um college and i would put them on my shoulder and walk all around i had to see people doing that now and i'm like i did that and it seems weird that i did that but when you were talking about your dogs how you had intelligent ones you both your dogs were intelligent yeah I have had lots and lots of dogs, but I currently have two dogs, Gypsy, who's a Labradoodle, and Barkley, who's a Chug, which is half Pug, half Chihuahua. And Gypsy is super, super smart. She's done therapy in the hospitals. She's, She's just an intelligent little woman. But... Barkley, on the other hand, he may not be quite as smart. <laughs> he is hysterical. He walks along the floor. Or he's short, short. And when he walks around the house, he if he he'll all of a sudden look down and notice the floor. So he'll just start licking it. So he'll lick as he walks. Just lick, lick, lick as he walks. But he'll leave a trail. Oh my goodness! Saliva, <laughs> lick, whatever you want to call it, all across the floor. And if he gets to the wall and he bumps into the wall, well, he'll just lick up the wall. Oh. And it's ridiculous. <laughs> that is and no, he's quite not unique. short on like some kind of vitamins or something like that. The the vet just laughs and said, "Ah, that's just him." <laughs> oh man, I yep, I love that. Our next guest also has a lot of animal stories. 
Heather Bender grew up on a ranch in California where she rode sometimes as much as 75 hours a week. She started out in barrel racing in Gymkhana, then became a trick rider and performer, a jumper, and finally a dressage competitor in Heather, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to talk to you. I know I was fascinated when I found out that you did trick riding when you were younger and just kind of starting out into horses. What kind of tricks did you do? Well, um, I worked in my, it's kind of a long story, as you all know, but uh, I started out um, riding before. Uh, before I could walk. So I was riding with my father who was a very good rider and, and professional. So he worked in Western horses and actually grew up in the movie era and had worked uh, with Roy Rogers um, at one point and stuff. So it, our life kind of balanced that direction to doing uh, performance horses for trick horses, trick riding, uh, trick roping. And we did work for Western Airlines. My father was an airline pilot. So we worked for Western Airlines and uh, did PR um, by working at the RCA rodeos and fair circuit in all over the West uh, from Washington down to Mexico. I was very good at the main, you know, the main core tricks. And I did some really hard stuff. Um, I did straw layout and I did under the neck and, and did some pretty tough tricks. I was never a fantastic vaulter because I'm a little short. I'm five, two, and my horse was 14, three, which doesn't sound 14, two doesn't sound like he's big, but for a vaulter, like Sherry has probably four or five inches on me and she would be on the same size horse. And that really helps on getting the suspension back up for mm. doing the hard vaults that, you know, the trick to vaulting is that um, when you're vaulting in a trick riding situation, you're sliding down the front of the horse's shoulder and you have to hit the ground in front of the horse's front legs. And that's what propels you back up over the top of the horse. So when you see these people, when you see someone run next to a horse and then vault up onto the horse, what they do is they're running with the front feet. Then they jump ahead of the front feet, hit both um, feet on the ground and that'll pop you up into the saddle when you've practiced that and gotten which way you turn and how you do it. But when you're my height, you're, um, I, I, have, I have to really lunge to get out in front compared to someone who's 5'6", five, 5'7", five, on a 14-2 hand horse. That's a lot. They get a lot more punch off the ground. So I never felt like I, I could do all your basic vaults and stuff, but I never was super at that. But I did Roman riding, which is where you ride the two, one mm. foot on one horse and one on the other. My first jumping was more in the, you know, bareback around the arena or standing on two horses. So. <laughs> wow. That's so amazing. Well, obviously you are not afraid of much. And I understand that you're an avid scuba diver and often swim with sharks. Is that right? Yes. I've been diving since I, let's see, I got my first uh, certification at 16 and went up to a professional certifications. And um, I, that's always been kind of my backside thing that I've done on, on the days beyond the, um, the uh, horse shows and, you know, my Mondays and, and I just absolutely love the ocean. And one thing that drew me to Florida from California was you have a great ocean here. So that was super. <laughs> so coming here was, was not difficult for me because uh, I could still get my diving in really easily. And I always, when people try to understand my diving level, I say, well, I'm sort of like a Grand Prix amateur driver. <laughs> <laughs> I don't spend the hours that I spend riding riding, diving, but I've spent so many years doing it. I'm very comfortable diving and it did help tremendously already being, um, what's, what is a fun fact is that my parents brought me in the early seventies to the keys and, uh, you know, we all swam. My dad was a good swimmer too. And we, um, you know, did a vacation and they could not get me out of the water. You know, I had a snorkel. I had, I was, I don't even know how old I was at that moment, but I was quite young. And I had a snorkel and I had um, fins and I was totally like I was about horses, just so enamored by the beauty of the ocean and all these animals. And we do have great whites here too, of course, but not 
to the level of California where um, I was diving out there. So you try to avoid some of the real sharky areas out there. Heather, I love hearing you talk about sharks, but I'm just going to say it still all scares me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But speaking of big animals, we have a picture of you in the magazine in this issue where your story is in the October issue of you riding on an elephant and you're wearing dressage clothes. So what was that all about? Well, that's a fun story. That um, I grew up with um, uh, Lawrence Joyner, who we became friends when I was about 16, and he stayed with me as a big brother from the, that time to the day he passed away. And uh, he was an incredible animal trainer and had, um, uh, a, when I met him, he had a 12, uh, t- a 12 Bengal tiger act. And he also worked with elephants and he worked with a man named Wally Joyner, who's a very, very famous uh, animal trainer too. And Lawrence um, uh, was working with elephants at the LA Zoo and he, these were elephants that he managed and worked with and stuff. And uh, I was helping him with a circus horse that we trained up to Grand Prix that was a a pin. So I did all the riding and he did all the groundwork and he was amazing with horses on the ground. So I really lost such a great helper from the ground when he passed away, had a stroke about four or five years ago. So as a joke, we, I put my, (laughs) this all that on and I went out and I sat on one of uh, Larry's uh, elephants that he was working with and uh, you know we took the photos and the fun thing was oh, they took the photos and then I had the opportunity I got one of them blown up and I went to Edgar and I said Edgar I finally got a young horse I said I finally got a young a young Asian warm blood that's what it is. <laughs> I finally got a young Asian warm blood and I handed it to him and he's 90% of the time was very very serious he did have a good sense of humor but it was kind of buried under all that you know serious exterior, you know, and he's like, oh, this is super. Let me see, you know, and I, he takes it, the Asian just went right over his head. He didn't hear that part very clearly. And when he opened it, it just, I mean, he was laughing so hard he was crying. So it was a very (laughs) fun moment and that's why we did it. And then it was a picture that people always grab at and love those pictures and stuff. And I, I have to laugh because, you know, here my friends had wolves and elephants and all these crazy animals. And I got to be around all these animals. And I had all these amazing opportunities and it was just how I was raised. So sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you don't realize how amazing that is. Oh, yeah. This afternoon, we'll just go shoot some pictures on Larry's elephant, of course. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's just my life. <laughs> exactly. Because when we we look at your read your story and look at your pictures, we're just stunned. Heather, I'm so impressed with the ladies that you teach at Treasure Coast. So tell us about your life today and this great group of people that you teach. Well, they are amazing. And I have really tried to cater my barn to smart, successful women who did not who have dreamed of riding in the FBI or having a chance to maybe they already rode a lot, but now they're uh, really focusing on showing and competing and moving up the levels. And they finally have time because their kids have grown up and their job has gotten to a place they can balance their job and their riding. And I feel like it can be a group of people that get neglected because we're always looking at the young riders and we're always mm-hmm. trying to make, you know, things work for them. And as we all know as women that Often, you know, there are a lot of things that get in the way of of those dreams. And then you, you know, hit 45, 50 and you're like, well, you know, now it's too late. And what I've learned is, no, it's not too late. If you get people with the right horse, with the right instruction, with the right biomechanics, with the right background to help them um, with their confidence and their, their, uh, you know, following their goals and their dreams and keep them focused on the right things that are going to add up to make them more successful. Uh, you have success. And what I've done over the years that I've been up here is I've had riders um, start with me and they're in their early 50s. And I have a situation of that now. And, and my riders now in her early 70s and she's super successful um riding in the fei now and now she's looking i rode her horse last weekend and won the grand prix on him we brought her horse all the way up the levels and uh 
uh, now she's riding, um, she's ridden him successfully through I-1. So now she's going to go towards the I-2 and hopefully we'll get her down the center line. Her goal is the Grand Prix and I think it's very realistic. She's in amazing physical shape. And uh, the horse is incredibly appropriate and the right type for her. And that's her gold Olympic medal. She goes down that center line and presents a, a good, a solid test in the Grand Prix. That's yeah. a gold Olympic medal for her. Yeah. And for me, you know, as we had mentioned, um, someone, uh, but these ladies, you know, they actually looked at how many things I've ridden, which I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> and they realized that this weekend, according to USAF, would be my over 200 Grand Prix ride. And they brought flowers and, and uh, Noreen O'Sullivan, who manages the show, and Elite Transport uh, pro, uh, provided me or gave a beautiful uh, um, crystal trophy. And it was just so sweet. They're so giving and so supportive that anything I can do to help them reach their dreams. And, you know, I had the opportunity and I got to ride my whole life and I tease them because they're doctors and lawyers and different things. And I'm, you know, uh, and when they complain, they can't ride like me. And I say, well, when you were in grad school, I was riding 14 horses a day. So. <laughs> well, I just <laughs> so wanna... I'll do that. Yes. Yeah. I just want to congratulate you on just an amazing life. Um, all your experiences just make, I mean, obviously you should write a book at some point. Um, and, uh, and, and for what you're doing for all the ladies at Treasure Coast Dressage. So I just want to thank you for being in Sidelines. It's a great story. I hope everybody goes and reads it. Uh, it's in the October issue. And then I want to um, just thank you, Heather, for uh, talking to us today. Thank you. Thank you so much for being interested and being supportive. And I'm really excited that, uh, you know, that we got to work with you as a magazine. It was a real pleasure and it was a lot of, lot of fun, every part of it. So thank you very much. That was so much fun today. I really enjoyed talking to Brandy and Heather and Mira, of course, from Blue Ribbon Scholars. Sidelines can be found at sidelinesmagazine.com, where you can subscribe to the Sidelines Scoop and get every new issue in your email for free. Find the links to today's guests and the show notes at horsesinthemorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Thanks to our sponsors, Blue Ribbon Scholars and Wordly Martin. We'll see you on the sidelines.